One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, taking the passion of a nation to a whole new gear. Today's show is brought to you by Renault, official car partner of the GAA. With a proud tradition in Ireland, Renault are committed to supporting those who give their everything to the game, both on and off the field. And after another hard-fought road to Croker, they understand as well as yourselves how important it is to enjoy the journey. That passion for what drives you extends to the time you spend on the road. With that in mind, head to renault.ie forward slash GAA for access to special motoring offers exclusive to GAA members. A grain of rice, a, a grain of rice is going to tip the scale. Just remember that, lad. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Our mission was to show that the we're no longer the whipping bite of Munster. Welcome everybody to the Irish Examiner GA podcast, brought to you again in association with Renault Ireland. Um, the official car sponsor of the GA. I remembered all that without even looking at the script. Uh, we're joined in studio by Eamon Fitzmaurice, former Kerry manager, and Tony McEntee, former Armagh and Cross McGlynn footballer, Tony Lean to lob a couple of grenades, and Larry Ryan on sound. Um, last, yesterday, obviously, we're all, we were all there in Croke Park. Uh, well, most of us were in Croke Park. A disappointing day in a lot of sense, obviously, from a Kerry perspective. From Dublin's point of view, you're saying, what an amazing team, completing five in a row. You can have all the talk you want about about disparity in population and finance. You still have to go out and win games and win them back-to-back to where they've done it, and it's an incredible achievement. And I think it's probably a better place to start than, than to be talking about Kerry. The quality that Dublin showed in the first game, Eamon, and then obviously yesterday to get the job done. Yeah, I think, look, the first game... Um what they showed us was their resilience and the way that they can just um, survive, even when a lot of them were playing under par. Someone always steps up for them. Jack McCaffrey stepped up big time in the drawn game. Um, Dean Rock stepped up big time in the in the drawn game. Um, Tony's had similar experiences against him with Mayo when everything is being thrown at them. They always, someone always finds a way and someone always steps up. And they, sur- they survived, I suppose, the first day, but they could have won it at the end as well. Whereas um, yesterday, I think we saw, particularly in the second half, we saw them at their best. We saw that they did adapt better from the drawn game. And, um, you know, they're, look, they're an outstanding team. They don't need me or anyone else to say it. They know it themselves. I think they realised it afterwards themselves, what they had achieved straight away. Jim Gavin was... Um, you know, he was smiling, he was enjoying it, he was really taking it in, whereas other years it was just a matter of it's ticked off and it's it's won. 
um, the game is won. But, um, you know, you could see that he enjoyed it. Kiran Kilkenny's interview with RT after the game, he was about as expressive as they are. Yeah. And he was he really showed, they really showed what it meant to them and they understood what they're after achieving, which is incredible, and it's it's phenomenal, and I think all of us, all all of us can do really is just take our hats off to them. Yeah, and is it? It's interesting though, like that now they've done five in a row, and you're starting to see you saw a bit of personality yesterday, you know, and and that's one of the things that people talk about. I mean, we all know how good they are, and you know, people talk they're they're robots and they're machines, but like I just saw a thing there with Jack McCaffrey outside Crumlin Hospital and they were on their way to, to Temple Street. And I know all the winning teams do it and it's great PR and, and it looks great and it's nice for the kids and nice for the families. But you could tell by the guy and I know they're like they're the same as any county. Like it genuinely is something that he really just takes a you know great pride in the fact that they can go in and bring a bit of you know, light to families in a kind of a dark time by going to the hospitals. And I know every team, the hurlers and the ladies footballers, everybody goes and does it and it's a really nice thing. But I just think for their own legacy, you know, we we'll, we we'll know all the numbers, we we'll know all the trophies, we we'll know all the titles. But like the personality that we're starting to see a little bit of now in these moments are the things that, you know, you'd love to see a little bit more from. You know what I mean, Tony? Or like it, it, I know the numbers are great and they're winning everything, but it's just, I think if... You know, people take to a champion more when you can see a little bit of their heart and a bit of their, you know, a bit of what they're putting into it as well, you know? Yeah, I think first of all, we should, and in my case, congratulate them on the 5-0 success. And it is a great achievement. Um, and, and obviously, it's a great achievement for the handful of people who have those 5-0 medals. Um, I think I think for me then, if we're looking at the people and the personality piece, is that there are a number of them who you actually could really admire. But I don't know I can say that for them all. You, I, I could admire James McCarthy as an example. It doesn't quite show his the expression or his personality, but at least you know on the day he's given to everything. And for me, he's a, I said this before, he's a, an absolute stallion when it comes to, to, to a torbred, um, when, it come, when it comes to a player on the field. Like he always delivers and he always comes through. I mean, the chips is down, James is always there. Like, but then there's the likes of James, with the, or not James, uh, Jack with the personality and Kieran Kilkenny. Like, I think Kieran Kilkenny is somebody who has always worked really hard and has always been somebody you could admire he has the, the Irish language thing going on as well he's a, he's, he's a solid fella on and off the field you know he's somebody you could actually really admire to him like you know and then you're bringing in people the likes of Conor Callaghan for the person he's turned into as an example you know um, but there's other people you actually find hard to connect to in, in that team you know and that's players who've been on the bench and players who are still there now at the minute and I think that's something that this team actually could genuinely benefit from you know because previous defeated all Ireland teams and I was involved in one in Mayo you could say there's an awful lot more personality in those teams and something you can relate to and hopefully we'll see more of that now in Dublin coming through hopefully yeah. for them yeah I know and so look it's not they're not going to care overly about about what we think of their personality and their character but it's but, just but, but, but I think they should because it's not it's not us it's not us it's other kids and it's other people yeah. watching them and yeah. that you know and it's not the case that everybody can win all Ireland and they can't win all Ireland and, and but everybody can enjoy it and everybody can do their best and everybody can be better than what they are surely like you know and if we're going to aspire to somebody well let that be Dublin we aspire to. Mm-hmm. But if we're going to aspire to them, let it be all that's good about us. Let yes. it be all that's good about the GAA, like, you know. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's the, the general point. And, and they have that. It's not like they're not capable of it. It's just to leave a little bit more out. And it was interesting, like, Fitz, that, that, that uh, Jim Gavin, 
you know, was actually smiling and was actually went over to the hill and gave a little wave and and took a little bit of applause. And uh, it was it was just it was it was different. And I know five in a row is a milestone and it's a different one from every other one. But it was interesting and a, and a, and a small little, you know, tweak from from their normal uh Stuff. It was, and maybe for us mere mortals, we go mad when we win one. Uh, yeah. Maybe Jim always had five as his target, and uh, <laughs> maybe and uh, he he you know all the other ones were just like getting to half time in the game for the rest of us. So yeah. uh, no, I was I was delighted to see him really enjoying it yesterday evening because. Uh, the five in a row achievement is a magnificent achievement, but his championship record is it's just ridiculous. Um, I don't know, in, in world sports and other sports, is there someone that has come in over such a long period of time and lost one game? It, it's, it really is remarkable. And all the other teams that have come, we've come hard at them, Mayo have come hard at them uh, at different times, and they've always managed to find a way. And we just mentioned Kiran Kilkenny there, and it's a thing that's always been in my head about them and something that... I think underpins what they're about and what Jim Gavin has created there and Pat Gilroy before him and on and all the other people that are involved. But Kiran Kilkenny was down in Australia with a contract awarded to him. Um, I'm not sure what club he was with, but he was actually down there and he said he was there for a couple of weeks and he said, you know what, this isn't for me. I want to go home. I want to win all Ireland's with Dublin. I went to play with my club in Dublin and that's going to mean a way more to me mm. than anything I'm going to achieve down here. And, you know, for him to have won what he's won in the meantime, he's won six, I suppose. He's won five in a row. Um, it kind of shows, you know, what they're about. And we're always using that word culture. But if you have a fella at the other side of the world and says, I want to go home and win all Ireland's, that's a very powerful thing to have in your group then. And like Tony said, the likes of him, he's a very solid fella, comes across very well. And I'd imagine he's the same within the group. So, um, you know, like I said, hats off to them. Uh, and I suppose digging into it a little bit then, lads, if we if we looked at the performance from the first day out, and you're saying Kerry, you're are right there, last couple of minutes. I know I know Dublin obviously were the ones that were pushing in the last in the last ten twelve minutes of that game. Had the four or five shots to Kerry zero. Kerry had five turnovers. Didn't have the composure to get it done the last day. What changed? Obviously, obviously they had a fifteen man for for the whole game this time, Tony. But what was the what were the crucial differences this time between between the last game? So, so I think the first crucial difference was the battle lane out that Dublin went with. Okay. So I think Jim certainly learned from the first time. I think he had to because I think the first the, re, the drawn match, um, his, his, his lane out simply was not performing well. Uh, and he really didn't make a change until 65 or 67 minutes, whatever he put on his first sub. So it was clear that James McCarthy coming in the midfield and Owen Morton mm-hmm. coming back. And, and Owen Morton had a superb game for 55 minutes that he was on the field. So, so I think I think I think that's the that's the first thing, and um, the second thing just that that allowed was Johnny Cooper to roam free and not have to pick up a man. We marking Aiden Aiden's land, wasn't he? So he was sort of like roaming free and controlling the game much better. So I think from the outset, Dublin had a much better fluency about them, much better know how of where they wanted to play, etc. After that, really, it was a game of mistakes. You know, the goal, the errors around the goal that happened, the number of shooting errors that was there in the second half. But but for me the for me the the thing I think was that Kerry Dublin got the four points up, Kerry had the fight to come back, then they went another three or four points up, and Kerry had the fight to get back, and that huge effort that it takes to do that just pays off, or just it comes at the end, and and they suffer at the end, and at the end of the game when Kerry needed to be competing and trying to win, get a few handy scores, etc., 
they were missing them like there was balls dropping mm. wide easy opportunities that they would have scored otherwise you know yeah and like that's that's all the stuff that Dublin probably did right and, and, and they like you said earlier Eamon that they adapted and they learned from that first game and they made those changes that had a positive impact on their on their game was there stuff from Kerry's perspective that, that maybe they didn't do as well as the you know the changes that they made probably didn't like the Dean O'Connor one was was I was looking at it and I, I I was trying to figure out you know you Tommy Welch you Killian Splann and you had uh, Jack Sherwood who've been playing really really well off the bench and all our kind of offensive substitutes Dermot hasn't really played and he's a guy now I'm a, like I'm really really high on Dermot O'Connor he's an unbelievable minor you know he's got I, I think he's going to be I think he's going to be your next kind of bedrock midfielder in the next 10 years I think he's that good he's got the mobility the kicking the everything just he's not there yet you know he's 19 or 20 years of age he's he's just not there yet it was a it was a big big call to start him at wing forward in a game when he hasn't played in the last three games and there were other guys that seemed to maybe have been going better for that kind of a spot it just seemed like it was it was an odd one yeah well I think a couple of things in it I think first of all um I think to be fair to Peter and the management what they've done this year is they've come at different times with calls that we've all before the game maybe kind of scratched our head a small bit and then as the game has gone on we we've said yeah okay I see what you were doing there and it worked I think with the Dermot O'Connor thing there was a couple of things I think Jack McCaffrey was a big consideration in that decision um, that was effective I think the other thing as well and maybe it didn't play out as well that they, as they would have planned was he was going to be another big kick out option mm. if Kerry came under pressure on their kick out which I watched back the game this morning as far as I can see both keepers were 100% I think both keepers yeah, were actually a hundred percent. There was one that Dublin lost. Yeah, Cluxton lost two. He lost two. Did he lose he two? He won over the sideline and one that Jack Barry knocked down. I think the Stephen O'Brien bought in the second. Oh, okay, half. but so that was the only two, and and Kerry were a hundred percent. Yeah, and so like I mean that's incredible. But that's just an aside, and that's just going back to the uh, Dermot O'Connor option. I think that if Dublin were getting that aggressive press on the kick-out, they were bursting kick-outs back in and Kerry were struggling under it, Dermot O'Connor would have gone wide mm. to the other side and would have been probably a mismatch on a kick-out. So I think that was probably a consideration as well. So, look, I think to go and win All-Irelands, oftentimes you have to make bold decisions and you have to you know, pull a rabbit out of the hat. And I think that was the one that the lads went with. I think you mentioned the likes of uh, Jack, Killian, Tommy, that was their they were their finishing players that had worked very well in the last two games I don't I think they were reluctant to change that um, so I get where they were coming from look I've been there done that that you make big calls when they work they work when they don't they don't and you're open to questions and you know the old one about players winning all Ireland's managers mm-hmm. losing them that's always the way it's going to be um, so you know I I see where the lads were coming from and I think snuffing Jack McCaffrey out was a huge uh, job anyway. Okay, he got injured just before halftime and had to go off. But, um, you know, stopping that impact was a big a big contribution. And, you know, Dermot O'Connor put in a couple of balls. He got on a bit of ball. He tackled. He did a bit as well. So um, he'll be all the, the better for that experience of starting oh, yeah. an All-Ireland final uh, as absolutely. well. Absolutely. I, I, I actually think that the calls were fine. I, I think Jim O'Connor was fine and I think the carry line out and setup was fine. I think it's a mistake issue here. Was the was the problem was like our number of mistakes the, the shooting. So I, I wouldn't be critical at all of the way the setup or the way they played or otherwise. Like you know, and sometimes Conor Callum is an example. And it's a pair of game this week compared to the previous time. You know, and 
it's very hard to legislate that. If you look back at the, the, the Kerry team and the setup from, I don't know, three months ago, like, would you be as critical of saying that the nearly won, could have won, possibly on the final? I don't think you would. Like, that team's come on a long way in, uh, for young players in, in, in that period of time. Like, I, I don't know, I think we should be less critical of how they maybe could have changed. And, oh, yeah, like, the glass is obviously half full for Kerry. And I, I mean, you have so many young guys as well. 14 guys have made their championship debut in the last... You know, number of months, and 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 they've really blooded guys, and and they're always going to, you know, with the likes of Damon O'Connor and and Shea and and Clifford, you know, all Gavin White, these all guys are only out of minor, and they're obviously going to be, you know, you're, they're going to be the bedrock of your team in the next ten years, and that's why you're, you know, that's why you're kind of so anxious that these fellas take to it as well as they have, and and they have done obviously, but you can still see there was a couple of things that Kerry were trying to do. Damon O'Connor was the one thing. They obviously started the game in the first 10 minutes and with a, with a mindset of we're going to go long and direct to the edge of the square and try and exploit one-on-one matchups. Uh, the other thing was the, the kick-out press. You know, that we didn't, we got a bit of joy out of it the first time. Didn't really see a lot of it. I suppose we didn't have a lot of opportunities. We didn't have a lot of free kicks or 45s. Didn't get any kind of joy out of that in the way you did the first time. So there was, there was definitely some things that you can say we we could we could have done this a little bit better. We could have done that a little bit better. But if you're losing all Ireland, I suppose Tony, that's always the way it's going to be. Yeah, I, I, you were talking there, Mike, about Jim Gavin afterwards, and I've I've never heard or listened to Jim Gavin being as detailed and expressive as he was in his press conference afterwards. I mean, Jim Gavin is usually in and out there in five minutes. You know, he was 15 minutes and he was talking. He was getting into detail about players and Cluxton and Kilkenny and it was the kind of really intriguing stuff that you'd actually also love to have been hearing for the last Mm. four or five years but I mean like one of the most important snippets he said in Eamon you know like he's not a man who actually likes to give a sound bite like but he did actually say at one stage and I thought it was extremely telling that the merchant goal gave Dublin breathing space and that's the actual just term he used breathing space and I think if you were to interpret that you're basically saying, Mike, Kerry, like we're, what I felt, we're in a really, really good place oh, yeah. at halftime, a seriously good place. Going in for the second week in a row in at halftime with all the momentum. I mean, where I come from in terms of what Kerry did wrong or Dublin did right or whatever Tony is, I was just thinking about the stat, Eamon. Kerry didn't concede a scoreable free in their own half in 75 minutes. They made 23 out of 23 kickouts themselves. They converted 78% of their chances in the first half. But the two remaining things that you can be talking all night about is number one, as you said, T-Mac, they actually gave away a dreadful goal in the first 12 seconds of the second half. And their shooting success rate was 27% in the second half. Mm. 27%. And you know, Mike, you saw them. I mean, these weren't snatch shots. I mean, there were a lot of these were proper, proper chances. And as Tony said earlier... If you're going to stick with Dublin and you're going to make them blink, A, you've got to be there like at 60, 65 minutes and you've got to be actually converting all those things. And it just got to a point, unfortunately, where Dublin have been there, done that, and this Kerry group haven't. That ultimately is where it came to. But that's Dublin and that's that five in a row team summed up there, Tony, in your stats. You have to have all of your stats right. The, the first three that you called out on the money couldn't be better. But to beat them, you actually have to have your shot conversion rate uh, at the same level in the second half coming down the stretch. You have to have your error rate uh, non-existent because they punish error. They punish errors so much that they, they, that's that's how good they are. And I made the point in my piece tomorrow or today when the podcast goes out that I think part of the 
um, challenge for Kerry for next season is the way that they're playing. It's so fatiguing that coming down the stretch, trying to have the um, energy to get up the pitch, make the right decisions, execute those shooting chances. That was fatigue. Mm. We didn't score for 12 minutes again at the end last night. That's down to because the team works so hard. They go back in numbers together. They work back the field, counter-attack at pace, hugely effective in the, in the first half. But trying to do that for 80 minutes is very challenging. And I think the errors came out of that and the, the shot conversion dropped off because of fatigue and because that is such a, um, a wearing game to play for 80 minutes. The dubs can do that for a period. But then they also, as we saw in the second half, for a couple of their scores where they hold possession for three, three and a half minutes. Everything slows down. They all get a bit of a breather. They're working the other team. They're moving them around. They probe, they probe, they probe. They get a shot away. They get a score. But they've also recovered. They've also given themselves a couple of minutes recovery. While they're recovering, the Kerry fellas are still chasing shadows and moving around. Mm. So I think that's something that we can definitely look at next year in terms of a bit of variety um, in that regard because I think it, is, it isn't a coincidence both days that we ended up not scoring late in the game. Mm. Can I just ask one question of you, Eamon? I mean, I'm asking more as a former Kerry manager as such, but because football has now become so obsessed with you know, man-on-man and in terms of just making sure, getting the match-ups right and getting everything paired off, was there a trick missed, I mean, Tony or Eamon, was there a trick missed on the Dublin goal by Tom O'Sullivan, Eamon? The fact that in an old-fashioned schoolyard game, you go to the ball, you go to the danger, you go to the guy who's going to shoot. But, he, you know, you, I was watching it back the same as you were. He was so preoccupied with not moving off Conor Callan in that moment. I agree, but what I'd say is Conor Callan was so clever, Tony, with his movement. If Tom had gone to the ball... Conor Callaghan had spun around and was in for a simple little flip over and he would have got the goal anyway. Where I felt the mistakes were, I felt that uh, both Tom and Tyg could have come in tighter earlier and just given up a point, just abandoned their men, came in almost to the 13-yard line and just kind of there. Dublin, Merchant bursting through the middle straight away from halftime. A point is a big score there. He's happy out, tip it over the bar, give it to one of the finishers, they'll tip it over the bar. But we almost made up Merchant's mind for him in terms of that the runway was open. I also think further out, both um, Gavin, Gavin Crowley and Brian tore into the, um, the, 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 throw, the throw-in and they were caught ahead of the ball, also preoccupied with their own men. So because of that, then the only remaining half-back was Paul Murphy, who was very wide, and he was trying to come back from a very wide position. So he was always going to struggle to get there. So that's all. And look, again, that's learning. But I felt that once once he had come so far and Tom was Tom had to stay with Conor Callan at that stage, I felt, mm-hmm. because Conor Callan was so clever, he came in, then he went sideways, then he spun around and he was gone inside. And if Tom had made any move at all, he was going to pop it off. And maybe even in Tom's brain, I don't know whether he thought it, he was saying, is it better for Merchant to be having a pop or Conor Callaghan leave Merchant at it and who knows Shane Ryan might save it as he did with Dear McConnelly later on in the game mm-hmm. yeah but definitely definitely you, you'd say like to Donny Buckley and Tommy Griffin are looking at that today and they're so frustrated from a coaching perspective mm-hmm. that 
that they didn't collapse on the ball like that that you know the, exactly what you're saying that, that Tom Sullivan didn't recognise it sooner that Tyg Morley didn't recognise it sooner and say we'll give up a point here or we'll give up a foul but we won't concede a goal and like that's the you know and, and that's probably you know you we're talking about guys up top maybe being inexperienced it's probably that inexperienced there of young guys if that was an older person who knew what was happening They'll just learn from that and, and get better. And the next time you see somebody, you know, careering down the middle of a carry defence next year, you would imagine that same scenario won't that would play out very differently. And and that's the point we're making, I suppose, about how, how Kerry have to learn and grow from these kind of experiences. And it was just just to compare it with the with the Stephen O'Brien chance and how Johnny Cooper managed the Stephen O'Brien chance. Again, you looked there like as O'Brien was going in, you know, Cooper was in that sticker twist position like but he actually stayed enough in O'Brien's eye line to actually almost block out the gainy option and I suppose that's the other side Mike to, to yeah. you know that's the experience isn't it yeah yeah and isn't it also the case that the Dublin got a goal in two from the four kickouts from three kickouts to one the, oh, sorry from throw ups hot balls at, at the start start like you know mm-hmm. so that's a serious return from from the start of the game yeah and it just it's like all of it all of it lads is like Dublin have such like a wealth of of game management, like the, just the way they manage every aspect of the games. Like they're obviously those things from the throw-ins. They are if we secure possession, centre forwards get out of there. You got to get out, get wide, create a lane down the middle for us to go and travel and and see what comes off it. Like Gavin was talking about that, that was a set play. Like it's not a set play. Like it's not a set play. It's there's we've got a couple of guidelines that if this is happening, you do this. But I mean, but you don't I, drop I'd a play for him to bang a goal with the outside of his right boot. No, you don't. But do you know what? It's 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 funny. I've been looking at that set play and Dublin doing similar set plays because their their half forward starts so wide. They come in. Their two corner forwards inside start so wide. They put different fellas in, at full forward at different times, and that fella to try and create one on ones for them. I'm looking at them since I've been carry manager in game after game setting this up like this it has never come off like that yeah. before it has come off at other times where they've won it they've popped it inside the backs have reacted they get a point from it as Tony mentioned there as they did right at the start of the game for Conor Callahan's point in, mm-hmm. within 15 seconds or whatever but for it to come off as it did there they've rehearsed that hundreds of times it hasn't come off before but they have it there they have it there and then when it comes off it comes off in the biggest day and yeah. it, it, it ends up being... I think that's why he referred to the set play aspect of it afterwards. They probably practiced it hundreds of times, but this is the first time it comes up. And as, as I said, I've seen them set up like that loads of times before, but it's never quite come off to that degree. Yeah, But to suggest that every county team don't have a number of set plays, it'd be wrong too, Mike. You know, It's just we see, we see more of Dublin. So I suspect every county team has some similar set plays for freeze, kickers, yeah. whatever the case is, you know. Um, and I don't. I'd actually. I used to think that Dublin were very stage managed and very deliberate in every move that they make. And I actually don't think that is true at all. You know, I think as I understand, most of the training is done through game-based scenarios, mm-hmm. whatever that means, and 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 less so simple drills and exercises. You know, and so 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 in that case, you know, they probably are just more used to playing with each other, more familiar with each other, more comfortable. Maybe got a better range of footballers than most teams. Well, clearly have a better range of footballers than most teams. 
and as a result, it maybe look more stage managed than they actually are at this stage, four years down the road, like five years down the road. Yeah, and it's interesting, like that. Merchant obviously was a guy who didn't even, you know, like he didn't play in the in the in the drawing. Well, he, you know, he didn't start the drawing game, and and he comes on and he's the guy, probably one of their most inexperienced backs, and he ends up being the guy that actually comes and and takes it on the burst. And that was that was really. Like you could feel the air kind of come out of Kerry at that stage because at halftime it was 10 all. You're saying Kerry didn't play well in that first 10 minutes when they were launching ball and they were getting nothing out of it, but they clawed their way back to your point, Damon. I suppose that it took such energy to get back 10 all. You're saying we have a good chance because you've got guys, you've got serious, you know, finishers coming off the bench and you're going to make this the right contest. That sucked the life out of you. They got a point straight after, and immediately, within about 90 seconds of the restart, you went from level 10 all to we're down four points. But it's not the most frustrating part of this, is that they would know that that third quarter has to be managed mm. and managed properly. And yet, those players that Eamon mentioned still kept wide and still retained their position, knowing that we cannot afford goals. And, and it just happened. Yeah, and it, like it's, it's, it's. I just I like that that crucial period like everybody knows that 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 third quarter to your point is this is when Dublin really want to step on the gas here and go at you before they bring off the you know bring in the cavalry for the last quarter to get them over the line but it just you know more like Dave obviously you know if something Jack Barry blocked off Fenton Moran didn't realise he had as much time as he had. Went with the punch to try and get it forward. Probably a, a set play that Kerry had in their own head to get something going forward straight away falls to his hands and then, and then the rest happens but it was amazing like how, how that 90 seconds just really deflated Kerry so quickly again it did but they recovered as well uh, Mike you know they came right back did they get back level or they certainly point got it back down. to a point point down, point down. Um, so you know they rallied again and I think for me this year that's been one of the things that I've um, enjoyed most and admired most from outside is that there's been, you know, there's been good old consistency and resilience there that there's been setbacks. The second half has been very strong from from the lads all, G, all year. You know, they've been in tight enough situations in games against Donegal in the Super 8s game, against Tyrone the All-Ireland semi-final, against Dublin in the drawn game, against Dublin in the replay they had to come back a couple of times. But there's been good resilience from a pretty young group. OK, you have the core that have a lot of experience you have a lot of them that have been around the camp for the last three, four years and they've built up experience within the camp. But, you know, for for a, a young group, I've been very happy with the way that they have shown the resilience. Like I said, I think that they ran out of a bit of juice by the end just by the way that they were playing and that they had to keep chasing the game and coming back and back. But um, the goal was obviously a huge score. Tyg Marley's goal that wasn't was obviously a huge moment as well. Both of those were big moments. But um, I still think the lads reacted well and they came back again. So, you know, again for the future, that augur as well. Yeah, and like we, we talked about a game of mistakes, Tony, earlier. And, and like if you look at the attacking talent on both sides, I suppose Dublin had the guys that didn't perform to their, you know, to their optimum in the first game. But if you look at, you know, Conor Callaghan, Kilkenny, Mannion, uh, Dean Rock, who was quiet, he finished with two points, but like they had 14 points from from play, you know, like that's a that's a big score. And, and the Kerry big four, I suppose, Stephen O'Brien didn't didn't again for the second kind of final. He didn't give you, you know, what you felt he was capable of getting. Now obviously, you know, Cluxon makes a great save from a goal, and that could have been a whole momentum shifter. But I think the lads, the three lads, have had ten points from play. But some of the attacking, like and some of the score taking, particularly in the first half, the second quarter by both teams was just of a, of an outrageous kind of standard, really. 
absolutely but these are the best sets of forwards in the country so so the top six forwards are on display in both teams yesterday so you would expect you would expect mm. that um, and, and that's why the second half by May, uh, by um, Kerry was so disappointing when it comes to the scoring and the return from scoring um, because while they while they were tired at least later on they were, they were tired you do expect better than that from those players you do expect yeah. David give you more. David Moore and David Clifford give you more. You expect Paul Ganey to return more possession than what he has at the time. And I thought he was superb yesterday, actually, yeah. in fairness to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Stephen has been poor over the two finals, and, and that hasn't been that hasn't been his form. Like he has been very good now all year. So I think I, I think while the return on scores in the second half was poor, I think it's fair enough to say that's less than expected from Kerry, despite the effort and workload that they were doing from it. Oh yeah, five points in the second half. I mean, like it was obviously, you know, you you felt whatever happened. You know, you, we knew Dublin were going to score, but you always felt that with that with that talent that Kerry had available, they were still going to put up a, a bigger score than fifteen points with only five in the second half. Obviously, you would. And look, I think it's funny. And as you're about to learn, uh, Mike, um, in the management game, sometimes uh, <laughs> things can be. Um, what would you say? Things can be. There can be these funny patterns that take on a shape during the course of a season, both positive and negative for your team. And this year for Kerry, one of the things has been they've created loads of goal chances Mm -hmm. throughout the championship, but we haven't converted them as we can. Going right back to the clear game in NS, we created goal chances. The the last day, you know, Brian uh, Obiogliak drove forward in the first half, created a, a... I wouldn't even call it a half chance. I call it more than a half chance for Paul Ganey. Mm. He put it over the bar. You know, Paul is a, is a finisher and at his best, he would have, I felt he could have drilled it low to Cluxon's right, Paul's left. There was there was a good gap there. But again, easy to talk from, from here in fairness. Stephen's chance in the second half. Um, you know, to win, we needed those goals, really. So five points, absolutely. And and look, with the dubs and with all we say about the dubs and how good they are in terms of their attacking play, over the last couple of years, I'm sure, Tony, you found this as well, their backs are superb as well. Yeah. As good as their forwards are, and their forwards were outstanding yesterday, but their backs make it so hard for you. Every single score you, you get, you earn. Think of some of the scores that Kerry kicked yesterday. They were serious scores under pressure. Mm. There weren't too many gimmies there that mm. you were just chipping it over the bar. There was, serious, there was serious pressure in every score. So their backs are superb as well. So I think to beat them, they are going to limit your point scoring range because their backs are good. So you have to get goals in. And it's just been one of those unfortunate patterns for us this year. We've been creating them, but we haven't been getting enough of them to, to you know, to, to beat the Dublins of the world. So, um, again, from Peter Keane's perspective, it's something for next season. I'm sure he'd be more worried if they weren't creating the yeah. chances. The next step is just to be taking more of them. I mean, does it go back? And again, I know this isn't an easy question. Does it go back to the balance um, of the attack in the sense of realistically... You could look at it like basically Kerry had four midfielders on the pitch on Sunday. I mean, if you if you class Adrian Spillane and Dermot O'Connor as midfielders, so that actually puts an awful lot of pressure on on your your scoring trio, which which the boys mentioned earlier. I I, I actually think Stephen O'Brien, funny enough, Tony had two good finals performance wise, but you're right, his sum total was a point out of both games. I actually thought he actually did quite well yesterday. He didn't finish. But I'm just saying that puts a huge amount of pressure uh, up top. And I, I agree. I was 
going to make the point about the goal threat and you go back to the first game as well and the number of goals they chances the chances they had I, I remember making a note after 60 minutes yesterday it, it just feels like it's ebbing away for Kerry and you just felt that if they could get create a moment where Clifford or Ganey was actually in that goal threatening position that looked to me like the thing that was required all game that effort in the first half that Ganey blew over with his left foot you know, was, was a half a chance but that chance never came and that cha- is that a credit are we crediting that to Dublin or as you say is that an ongoing deficiency in terms of Kerry's goal finishing um, <laughs> nice handy one there Tony yeah. I no, I, I would give credit to, to Dublin because uh, as I said systematically they are very good defensively not so much the first game which they rectified uh, for the replay um, you know Johnny Cooper and Owen Merchant were swapping uh, sweeper roles confusing enough for the Kerry lads to deal with at times because Shawnee Shea was ending up having to track Merchant at times Cooper at times they were fresh then when they were making the runs Shawnee seemed to be uh, tracking them the whole time which was sucking energy out of him so I would give Dublin plenty of credit but you're right you see, I suppose in one way, you can say that Kerry were playing with four midfielders or more defensively based play- players, but you also then have four out-and-out attackers that some of their defensive duties are probably being removed from them, the likes of David Clifford, Paul Ganey, Stephen O'Brien, Shawnee O'Shea. Now, Stephen and Shawnee, by their nature, really work back anyway, but I'm sure the idea is that when we're in possession, you're trying to have those four close to goals operating in space so I can see, I can see absolutely what the the thinking behind it is. But again, you see Dublin just force you out of those comfort zones or those things that look great in the whiteboards or in your diary or whatever that they're a bit harder to implement on on the big day, particularly against them, against a lot of other teams. It has worked. It has worked very well this year. And I mean, I would say Kerry have only lost two games all season, isn't it? They, like we three, the, three Mayo, Mayo twice, oh, Mayo in the league, yeah. So you know, which is that's a good degree of consistency throughout the year. So the system and the personnel has worked quite well for this year to win next year. Obviously, the lads are going to be thinking about it over the winter, and they'll know exactly where they're at now. But um, I give plenty of credit to Dublin, to be honest, uh, for for Kerry not getting the goals yesterday. Mm. Yeah, and you'd have to. I mean, I think it's 12, 12 wins, one draw out of 16 games. So you, you lost three games out of 16 for Peter Keane and management. They'll be obviously very disappointed to have lost the two finals, the league final and the, and the, uh, the All-Ireland replay. But still, from their point of view, it's easy to you know satisfy themselves in terms of experience gained or whatever. But the, the defensive side of it, I think, is a really interesting one like that. You can you can say that those carry forwards are the best that's in there, Tony, that we have around the place. But yet, like those Dublin backs that we keep saying are maybe that full back line isn't as good as every other line in the pitch. They still restrict collectively that carry attack to five points in the second half. And ultimately, you can have the goals, you can have everybody else. That was the difference in the game. If you can hold that attack to five points in the second half, that's huge. Yeah, but inside forward line for Kerry scored what the weekend? Uh, ten points. Ten, ten points. Yeah. So, so the issue isn't the inside forward line. The issue is half backs and midfields and elsewhere coming up. Um, because the problem with Kerry is they're not getting the spread at players coming through the field that's contributing or adding to them inside forwards. Like if if your if your main scoring base is so localized that you've been kept to a full back line. The, the second half when Dublin were sort of in control all they had to do was cover that sort of D shape that space in there 
and it left it Kerry were shooting from out, slightly outside or different angles and uh, we see the re- return on it so I think it's more of that breaking through like like who like Tom O'Sullivan broke through and took a shot and missed it who else who else broke through at all yesterday from that Kerry outfit like even took a shot from that Kerry outfit yeah, in, well, in, in, the, yeah. in the whole day you know? David Moore had a couple obviously Adrian Splane kicked a point like Tom yeah, Sullivan they're, they're midfielders and yeah. half forwards like who's coming from yeah, defence coming, coming up, very, coming yeah, up yeah, there very like, little like, I mean Tom, Tom is one and Tom is as Eamon will tell you, is a very capable scorer. Like, and he'd normally that one that he missed, yeah. he'd normally kick that over and you know for you know his sleep or whatever. But yeah, and it's a fair point. Tyke Morley, you know, Tyke Morley obviously goal chance. Yeah. Now, if he had, you know, if it was probably somebody else or if he had an extra yard on him, yeah. to even it looked like he was just trying to get into the square to draw a foul. And that whole incident was, I, I, and Conor Lane and we won't ask him because obviously he's <laughs> he's after <laughs> causing enough totally trouble with, with uh, one, referees. Yeah. But like. I thought in general, I know the guy made a couple of mistakes, but in general, or that one, I'm not sure what he did. It was only when I went back and watched it again last night, like he, he, he flashed a black card to Fitzsimons. Isn't that right? Well, yeah. No, it was a tick, but he, he, but he, he, went, fla- he went straight away to Fitzsimons to say, I, I meant to tick you even though Fitzsimons was the wrong fella. <laughs> but it was Conor Khaled who actually yeah, But Fitzsimons was in the incident as well, to be fair to him. So he was, but he I'll wasn't. The rest he, he, was, he wasn't the guy that should have been. You no, know, no, You'd imagine Conor Khaled. It was, a, it was a, like for a young guy, it was an absolutely fantastic foul like to give away. Well, it was the foul that David needed to do in the second yeah, exactly. half. Exactly. I was just going to get to it. Like, and yeah. You could see Dave grabbed at Merchant's shoulder. He tried, he tried. And, yeah. and he yeah. was probably conscious of leaving the field with a black or something. But like, it was just for a young guy, I thought, for Conor Callan to give away the foul and not have to you know, get a black card and get sent off. Do it before you got to the square and not give away a penalty. Like it was just really interesting, and and Conor Lane eventually, when they, it was probably the right decision. It wasn't a black. It wasn't, no, you know, no, it was no. maybe a yellow to kind, nothing, nothing huge. Uh, anything else? What else did Lane? The, the the goal obviously then was that was the highlight of the last night that he took. You know, the merchant took something like eighty-seven steps without taking a play of the ball and kicked it into the goals. Um, but again, like how are you? It's so difficult. You're trying to you're trying to give him advantage for Dave Moore and pulling his shoulder. You know, he he's you know not obviously you can't be looking at every kind of a thing. But that was that was something he missed. The other thing that I thought, and it's not something that I'm be critical of Dublin or Connor Lane. It's just something that we all need to start taking out of Dublin is, is the amount of work that they do, obviously through Jason Sherlock maybe, but like screening guys off the ball. Like I just thought yesterday, it was at the most prevalent I've ever seen them doing it. And that goal, you know, Fenton actually, was it Fenton or McCarthy? One of them hip-checked, hip-checked Stephen O'Brien and created that little lane. And they were, they were happening all over the field yesterday. It was really like, you know, you could see Jason Sherlock maybe or whoever it is, but these screens that they're running are just so far ahead of everybody else in the in the game, I suppose. Yeah, but they should get credit for that. Rather Absolutely, than yeah. And Absolutely. it's up to referees and their officials to, to, to spot it. So, yeah, I, I, would, I, would, I would applaud them for it, you know. It's well within the rules of the game at the minute. So, it's not. It's not. You're allowed to do anything that, that you're not caught, Tony. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's well, well <laughs> Certainly in a big pressure match, there's nobody pulling them up on it. Yeah, and, and, and there's nobody seeing it. Like, and listen, know. you'd only be delighted if you could yeah. get your team playing with this kind of cuteness, and, yeah. and that's what it was. And like yeah. they were just all it is when you in those games, you're talking about the you know, pressure that you're under all the time. If you can just do something without even making contact, but to just work an extra half a yard for a guy to get his head up to have a shot or to make a pass, and like again. 
it's just like this is where they've gone to it. We're not, all the rest of us are looking at this. They're, they're on to the next point already and, and creating that little extra loop for people. They are, but um, you can have Tony. You'll definitely enjoy it when you look back. Have uh, there's a couple. James McCarthy certainly got a couple of very good shunts. Uh, I wouldn't call them screens, <laughs> and uh, I think it was Philly right at the end for one of the kind of goal mode scrambles at the end. Um, David Clifford was torpedoed, and yeah. uh, it wasn't a very subtle screen either. But absolutely, and. Correct me if I'm wrong. In basketball, if you're screening, like you have to keep your hands down, don't you? Or do you? Well, you got to be stationary. Yeah, you, be you sta- have to be stationary. Whereas, you know, Dublin are brilliant at putting their hands yeah. up and out, as if and I'm definitely not in the yeah, way yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. But they're actually making the screen twice as wide, yeah. and it's even harder again to get around. So yeah. they are. I looked. They, listen, they are exceptional, and they, and they're they're not done now. They're already thinking about okay, what can we add to for next season? And that's why when we're when everyone else is trying to catch up. There's no point trying to say, okay, watch the All-Ireland. If we can do that, we can get closer to them. You have to be thinking of the next step again because they're going there again straight away. Okay. No, there's not. No, 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 no. There's not. But it it is the salient point here. You're all inter-county managers at this stage. The last 20 minutes, that last 20 minutes, everybody is saying what Kerry fell short in doing. What could Kerry, either on the sideline or on the field, have done differently, apart now, Tony, from kicking the ball over the bar, which is the obvious answer, what could they have done differently to change the dynamic, change the shape and the momentum of a game that was getting away from them? What didn't happen that could have happened? Thanks. A nice nod across the table there, Tony. No, look, I think you've answered the question. It's kick the scores. Um, I go. I for for Dublin. I've had plenty of losing experiences with them, but the one kind of significant winning experience we had against them was the National League final in 2017. And similar to Mayo and their games as well, the the draw and everything that, that the games that were so tight, you have to get nearly everything right. You have to go score a score. You have to keep the scoreboard tick, ticking over. You mentioned about Jim Gavin saying last night the goal gave them a bit of breathing room. You can't give them breathing room. If they get breathing room, they kill the game, they kill you, they suddenly start holding on to the ball, they stretch the whole thing out, it's hard to get at them, they're tiring you, they're creating these little chances then, they're getting it to the shooters, suddenly two becomes three, becomes four, becomes five, becomes six, and it's just so hard to deal with that, so you just have to keep ticking the scoreboard over how do you do that it's measured football you keep the ball in hand you're popping it you're running Tony mentioned already about that you're breaking those lines you're getting fellas coming in twos and threes together Kerry early on went long I think the reason they went long is they had success in the league game with Dermot O'Connor on the pitch contributing as a target inside at times in that game so I think that was the thinking we can get goals after this Dublin hoovered up the brakes last night so they made it it didn't work as effectively but as soon as Kerry went back to running the ball again coming through the lines feathers coming in numbers they got scores again so I think that's what you have to do I think to beat them that you just you keep the ball in hand you don't give them turnovers you try to rest, get after their kickouts if you if you can you win all your own kickouts and the ball has to go dead and when you get a chance to score you have to you you just have to take the scores and I, I know it sounds it's simple yeah. it, it actually it is quite simple but it's very hard to do yeah. because they put you under such such pressure but isn't it like to be fair then the point about Stephen O'Brien's goal chance like you can't underestimate like what momentum and energy and life that that would have given Kerry if that ball hit the back of the net mm-hmm. suddenly 
you know, everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. now is up and we're saying, and, hang and on now. in the Tyrone game. You know, His exactly. In the Tyrone exactly. Game. And, and like sometimes it is, you, you, you just have to take your chances. Now, I also would have thought that, you know, like Killian Splan made such an impact the last time, you know, he was brought on in the 60th minute. I would have, I would have tried to, you know, maybe get the guy in earlier. Same with Tommy Welsh. You know, Jack Sherwood was in before him. But, you know, maybe at that stage you could feel the game was probably slipping away from Kerry and that it was a, it was a time to get them in five minutes, ten minutes earlier than you had been doing all along. But at the end of the day, if Stephen O'Brien hits that, you know, the back of the net, that changes the dynamic of the last 15 minutes of the game and everything then is is back up in the air. And, and sometimes it's it's as simple as that, like. But you can't, at some stage in this game and, and the game of the weekend past, you have to be able to take a chance and gamble on something. Mm. And I think the likes of Paul Murphy in particular, like he was defensive-minded too much for me the whole game. Like he's... For me, he's an influential player and in that he's good in possession, aiming that you're talking about. He can control games well. He can break lanes as well. And while he would have been doing a lot of covering in defence, I'm sure he had legs still left at the end of that game. And I think, I think those players need to start influencing themselves and driving that game forward the way Eamon's talking there. And that has to come from key players. And there's no better player than Paul Murphy to do that going forward. And I think, I think, in the, I think Kerry needed to get to a place where they were coming in waves and taking a chance on it. And, and he did that in that league final, Tony. He that did, time he did it. He did in 2017 where he was yeah. playing as a sweeper by us that day. But we had so much ball that he was constantly on the front foot, and he was and he makes the right decision then in possession. He did it the second half of the drawing game. You yeah, know. He, did, he did look to be pulling on a hamstring. Or he something did, yeah, he left early, Maybe yeah. he was limited that way. Like, but but if that is the case, and if that's the type of football that makes sense, and it does, in it, when Eamon's talking about, then you need the right players on the field. You know, and then if that's what Killian Spillane's going to offer you, then he does need to be on it earlier than that. You know. Yeah, and that's, you know, look. To, again, it's when when he's not on it early, and and you lose the game. It's always the reason why. But if if it just seemed to me like it was, you know, it was crying out for it. even even Gavin White. Like I was looking at Gavin White, and I thought, you know, Gavin Crowley had given every ounce he had in him at that stage, and he looked, you know, like he. he you could have just got fresh legs in there earlier and just had a had a had more of a kind of drive like you're talking about, Tony, and really have a cut off it. And even get an opportunity to get your twelve bodies up into the half and be bold for the last twenty minutes of the game and, and really try and suffocate them in there and, and create a couple of chances. But look like they've done already, lads, and like Cluxton, the reason Stephen O'Brien didn't score ultimately, Johnny Cooper played it well. But Cluxton, like again, comes up with a huge, huge play like he did in the drawing game to keep Dublin in it to save that Stephen O'Brien chance. And then again, like you mentioned already, I mean, like he had 20 something kickouts and we, he, the last two of them. Mm. Like the guy, the guy is just like phenomenal. Like, and he was around the place after again with his, you know, in front of the hill and stuff. Again, for a guy who's notoriously shy or, you know, media shy and doesn't want to do any of that stuff, he seemed to be another guy that was lapping up a little bit more. But like what a footballer, lads, and, and a goalkeeper that Dublin have in their ranks to just keep finding ways around whatever you throw at them. Is there any danger? No, this isn't, uh, you know, if you're looking at me another there. Scud. <laughs> like I'm going to throw another scud at you. I'm not. But what I would say is, uh, just from a Kerry point of view, and given the progress that these young fellas have made and this team has made, and the two of you are still living at home in Tralee, is there any danger that the fact that they failed, and I use that word with an inverted comma, to prevent the five in a row. And you know how important and, you know, the resonance that that holds in Kerry. That that having that around their neck may even retard their progress a small bit in 2020. The fact that they had the chance over two days. Like, let's imagine for one second that they actually had won the All-Ireland the weekend. I mean, that 
those Kerry lads would already be down in history at this stage as the team yeah. that prevented the five in a row. Like Seamus Darby is 37 years later still mentioned for the same thing. I suppose I just have the smallest worry I was thinking about this last night. Is it something that they're going to be reminded of next year? Oh, Jesus, you're yeah, great, but you're a great lad. You're a great... You're, but Jesus, what a pity you didn't stop the five in a row. No, I don't think no. so at all, Tony. I think, I think the energy around the county, from what I've seen, definitely over the last month or so, it's a very positive energy. Mm, yeah. um, so, no, I don't think so. And I think... Um, Offaly have won in All-Ireland since 1982 so um, I think that it's only going to make the lads hungrier I think the challenge for them next year is that um, Peter and the lads coming in this year it was a completely new setup, very fresh new ideas, new demands different way of doing things and there was a huge bounce off that now as a new management team you'll get that bounce for two years max uh, before the lads start getting to know you and then it goes in a different graph you know each other better and maybe as a management team you can get more out of them but I think in that first two years when there's an element of mystery about you as the manager and the management team you you can get fellas um, you can get a lot out of fellas so I think that next year is going to be huge from us from the point of view that that freshness or bounce or whatever you want to call it will last another season max. Mm. So um, I think that'll be, you know, a challenge for the the management team next year uh, to keep accelerating what's happened this year. But to answer your question, the whole five in a row thing, no, I don't. I Look, to me, the the role of honour thing is a more important thing to, to, to protect and that becomes a challenge for the next decade. So... Um, no, I, I don't think the five in a row thing is going to be a thing that's going to be thrown at him. I can't believe you took shots at Offaly there. Like, poor Offaly. I haven't won all Ireland since the 82 and you're taking shots. That's very yeah. Yeah. Do you think do so? You no, I was, only, I was only saying this like... No, you know. no, 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 it's, no, it's gone. It's done, no, it's, it's done, gone. It's done, it's done. Do you know what they will listen to, Tony, like for the winter? And it's not going to be about the five in a row. It's going to be you missed your chance the first day. Like that's, you know, you left it after you the first day. That's what you, and like you can, you can hear people already saying, and, and there's obviously truth to it. You know that the underdog in those scenarios normally gets the best crack the first day out. And like, it was just the circumstances that presented themselves the first day with Johnny Cooper's red card, with the momentum you had, with taking the lead, you know, with, with, with only minutes to go. Like, that was just such an amazing opportunity. And all they're going to hear about for the winter is you did really well and we're really proud of you. And the, the vibe is totally positive in Kerry. Like, it's mm. it's actually absurdly positive. It's, I, I haven't seen it, you know, like that for for a while. But <laughs> I did. <laughs> wasn't... Uh, but, but the point... Don't leave him. Don't they're, going to, don't they're, going to, they're going to get that. Like, that's the one that's going to be held over their head. You left it after you the first day. And you know what they'll be able to say back? And I was only, again, looking this up. Over the two games, which is a combined 150-odd minutes, Kerry led for a minute and 40 seconds. Yeah. So, like, let there be no argument or debate. Yes, you can argue... Kerry left it, you know, they had an opportunity. I would describe it as a missed opportunity. When Killian Spillane put them a point ahead, that was the only time over the course of the two games that Kerry actually led. Actually, just one thing on the management you were saying there, going back to our good friend Jim Gavin again. He was asked, like, as you know, Eamon, you've been in these rooms as well, and like Mike will be in the future, in terms of 
what are you going to do next year? Are you staying on? And I, I, I would have presumed most managers always bat them away. But actually, Jim was really bullish about 2020. You know, I'm not certain that he'll have the entire management team there in 2020. And I'm pretty certain he won't have the entire squad there in 2020. But we seem to have this view, Mike, don't we, that, well, that's the five in a row done now. And it's all done and dusted. But you look at the age profile of that Dublin side. And certainly from Jim Gavin's comments, he's going nowhere. Like what? You know, where are we? Why aren't we already talking about six and seven? I saw somebody put up something yesterday. The most frightening thing was that Owen Merchant is under fourteen again next year. <laughs> <laughs> like their age profile is is uh, is like not. It is, but it still comes down to the man between the sticks. If he goes, the the whole thing changes. Yeah. It's as a, you know they they are brilliant all over the field and they are replacing their their players. He's doing a brilliant job and he regenerated them while winning a five in a row. Um, Evan Comerford this year more so than other years when he played in league games. I was impressed with him mm-hmm. and I think that he's he has developed, but he's not Stephen Cluxton. Uh, he's not Stephen Cluxton on the field and he's not Stephen Cluxton driving the standards in the dressing room. So. When he goes, that is that is a game changer for me. I, I, I do think that highly of him and I think that he's such influence that when he goes, that can change the, the dynamic. But I agree with you about like the six in a row and everything else. I think the five in a row is actually a kind of a monkey off their back now and they'll actually play with a bit more freedom next year. <laughs> Um, which is which is frightening for the rest of us and frightening for everyone involved in the Leinster Championship in particular. But with that, sets the challenge for everybody else. And that sets the challenge for that Kerry team coming through and for a throne team that, that seemed to be in change as well. And for anybody else for that matter, like for Mayo that seems to be in, in transition, there is a challenge there for them. And, and why, if any of those players are not looking to take that challenge on with Dublin, it would be. I would be astounded if any of those big teams are not ready for that next year and walking early at it, like and and set the bar really high for themselves to go there. Because th- this this is a team that's beatable. Mayo could beat them, but couldn't. Could beat them, but didn't take the opportunity. Kerry could could have beat them, but didn't take the opportunity. Mm-hmm. So both them teams, along with Tyrone and Donegal and everybody else, will have a good chance next year. And like as you mentioned, Tony, like. Will there be many of these guys who walk away? Like, it's so difficult to walk away from, like, what they're in the middle of right now in terms of, I'd say, the, the way they're training and that whole environment, like, and the way they're Sponsor, looked after so well, everything. Mm-hmm. Like, why? And you know next year, like, your your favourites, and if it doesn't happen, it's going to be a shock. The year after, your favourites, and if it doesn't happen, you're going to be a shock. Like, you have the pot- potential here to walk away with... God knows how many medals if you if you really you know if you want to stay at it as long as you can. But it's, I would say the sympathy's gone now. I'd say whatever sympathy Jim had, he displayed at the weekend in in giving Bernard the opportunity to be in the twenty six as an example. And along with some of those players who come on late on in the match, I would say that's about the level of Jim's sympathy. And I would say coming for six in a row, I'd say quite a few of them would be moved on at this stage. Yeah, I would say that the lads outside of the twenty six, you know, Bernard Brogan. Oh no, Gara, fellas like that that have a lot of service given. They're fellas that will be asking hard questions, all right, of themselves. Um, but other than that, you know, the likes of Michael Dara McCauley and Keanu Sullivan, Philly, all those fellas, they're still early 30s. Like, it's not as if they're pushing up 34, 35. Um, so, like you said, I can't see any of them moving on. Um, Cluxton is the the question like I mean like you said after the game last night he was walking around and waving to the hill and 
I was just hoping that maybe he's waving goodbye, but I suppose <laughs> yeah. that's that's probably not the case because um, he's such a professional anyway in the way he approaches it. He, he doesn't have to do it from a, bo- a body or a physical perspective, so it'll be only if he doesn't have the appetite and any fella that goes analysing his own performance. Like that was one of the tidbits last night, Tony, wasn't it, from the press conference that Jim Gavin said about, about his, the his goal, the analysing the Killian Spillane yeah. goal and how hard he worked after that game to make sure he was right for the replay. That doesn't sound like a fella who's ready to hang up his boots. No, no, he was actually talking, wasn't he, about his footwork. His footwork. That he was actually did serious video analysis with two other guys in the video analysis team on the fact that he felt his footwork was wrong as he was setting himself for the Killian Spillane goal. And it was a brilliant, like, I mean, he, yeah. he obviously didn't think to give Killian any credit for, a, <laughs> for, for for a brilliant finish in terms of, like, it was a kind of a typical one that you would wrong foot a keeper yeah. with, like, yeah, tell so, me, you know. Uh, all of you, talking about perfection, I mean, and Tony, you mentioned there about everybody else chasing next year, like, how scary was that first half for the chasing Packlets? Because I thought, I mean, I know people... I didn't agree, and I think Mike, maybe you might have been the same, or some one of you that I didn't actually think the first game was a classic. I just thought it was too many errors. I thought that the first, like it was like a game of darts that people just kept going 180, 180, 180. You get 180, and then we'll go back and get 180. I mean, I can imagine to the other 30 counties looking in at that, Mike, you're looking at that and you're actually saying to yourself, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just the, the level of talent. And, and Tony, you, like mentioned already, like they, like they are the best players that we have in our game. Like we had, we had pretty much bar, bar a few other guys that have been had great years, like Carl McShane and different guys. Like they are the, the collection of the best guys that we have in our game. And what we saw in sports yesterday, and I, like I, I don't think yesterday's game was a classic. Like the, the second quarter, that the second twenty five minutes of the first half, I thought was was like just unbelievable football and it was like it was every time one team had the ball you could nearly just chalk up a score they were they were going to create a chance and they were going to take a really good opportunity like Ganey scores Clifford like Conor Callan looked like he was going to score every time he touched the ball like it, it was just of such a high high quality that you're looking at it saying this is fabulous but you know for everybody else like for everybody else that's aspiring to get to that level there's loads of stuff you can take out of it and that's all you can do and try and learn and improve yourself but my god it's a it's a high it's a high mountain peak really isn't it it is but i think look we saw in the first game this a lot of players on both sides are human as well um you know i think to be fair to the forwards uh last night uh there on both sides they were outstanding like you said every time people got ball in hand they looked like they were going to score and the backs didn't do too badly either so they didn't tell you they were standing him up they weren't fouling they were putting them under pressure you know as a coach you'd be saying to them listen that's better than fouling them and giving Dean Rock or uh, Shawnee Shea a tip over free you're putting them under pressure some of the scores Conor Callan's first score was with his left foot uh, you know, you'd have been saying to Tom Sullivan, you're pushing him onto his left foot, you're putting him under pressure. Look, if he kicks that, you're going to take your hat off and say fair play to him. You haven't given the chip over free away. So it was, it was exceptional forward play. But in the first game, we didn't have that exceptional forward play from a lot of them. So, of course, when forwards like that hit a nice, they're fairly hard to stop. But there can be other days that they can be stopped for sure. And the psychology of it as well, though, Eamon, like I was only, like you you could nearly pencil in the guys that were going to have big games last night from the guys that didn't play well the previous game. You know, it, it's amazing, like, just mentally, like, how, 
you know, if you underperform and you get another opportunity two weeks later, you, you just kind of know, like you knew that Conor Callaghan, and while he was still good the first game, he just didn't get the scores, you knew Kieran Kil- Kilkenny was not going to be as quiet as that again. Like, and, and Paul Ganey the same, you know. Like, Brian Fenton still wasn't amazing, but he was an awful lot better than he was the first day. While you'd have to say... Morn and, and, and Jack Barry more than competed with, with the two lads in the middle of the field but it, it's just I think it's a sign of, of them as well Dublin as champions that if I underperform you, you can absolutely know it's not going to happen two games in a row and they, they showed that I'm going to put you on the spot but not about what you think do you think do you think Dave Morn and Tommy Walsh for different reasons will, will play again in 2020 jeez I think so yeah. I think so. I really do. I mean, I haven't spoke to him about it or anything, but I, I don't see why they wouldn't. I mean, I think, I think this has been David Moran's best year of football in in several years. You know, he he's about thirty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, I know he's got mileage on his knees and different things. But I thought he the way he was moving yesterday. Like if you took away the three wides that he kicked, I would have said the guy was eight out of ten. I thought he had a fine game. The three wides just he, discolored he was a little. He's actually the best midfielder over the two games. I thought so. Yeah. yeah, I thought so. You know, and and Tommy the same. I I I just would have loved to have seen Tommy get more time. You know, and and I, and if this this idea of we're going to go along in the first ten minutes, I would I would have loved to have seen. Let's let's do this here when Tommy comes on the pitch for the ten minutes that he's there. Let's just bomb him with ball. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I think both of them had had you know Tommy had a really good semi final impact off the bench. Thought he had a really good impact in the drawn game, and I thought he had, you know every ball that was kicked in bar one yesterday. He won it out in front of Philly. Like Philly, it was funny when they came on. Philly was kind of banging him in the chest, and I was saying like of all fellas to be banging and hitting in the chest, this fella's the same as hitting a wall. Like and and the first ball Tommy got, he won it over in front of the Cusick. Turned, looked at him, and went by him, and and Philly pulled him, or you know, fouled him, and it was a tap over free. And I was thinking, like whatever nonsense that Philly was talking to him in the in the first minute and a half, it was it was he was getting it back in bucket loads for that period, you know. But like, look, I I don't think there's any reason those guys would go. I think both of them both of them had big impacts. I think for Tommy's point of view, and we spoke about it with him before, it really validated his decision to go back in and, and have the positive impact that he had. And I think he's gonna, you know, he's gonna be feeling really good about himself. Which, as a, as someone who's managing at club level and we're playing county championship next week, I feel really good about it. <laughs> uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up shortly, but I just wanted to get your views. I mean, the the, the you know, on Saturday night we had the RT were picking their team of the year, and without going through, you know, a team like. The, the forward line, the forward line w- was incredible, and it didn't include David Clifford. Uh, I think it did include Sean O'Shea, but it didn't include include David Clifford. And Larry Ryan is sitting here, and Larry Ryan is—I actually think he's actually in love with David Clifford at this stage. He just—he <laughs> just cannot stop wondering and talking about the wonder that is David Clifford. Is it Eamon going to get more difficult in 2020 or is it going to come easier to David Clifford in 2020 because obviously the fact that he hasn't his All-Ireland medal in his pocket now was going to fire him again for next season no I don't I look David David's graph is still going up and will stay going up because this season you have to remember he missed the entire league uh, injured and for a fella at his development stage he was 20 in January he needs um to play a league 
and to have the conditioning from a league and the full season to to help him go on to the next level. So no, his graph is still going up. Pers- his personality is going to keep going up because that's 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 just his makeup. He's not going to be happy. He's not like this year. He had a very good season again. Uh, as I said, he's only twenty, but he's not going to be happy. He doesn't have an All Ireland medal. It's as simple as that. And as uh, until that is achieved, and until he has medals. David Clifford is too good to just have one medal. He's going to have medals. He's he's going to be driven. So you know he's he's only getting started and he's only going to get better. Um, and and it'll improve. Like his natural talent, his movement for his his right footed kick point in the first half, the way he lost his man, his movement for that. He just has this natural movement to buy space inside in small little pockets. That's unbelievable. And with his conditioning and with the experience, he's only going to get better and better. Who, who was who was the inside line of that team? I didn't see it on on Saturday evening. Um, it was I. Carl McShane was full forward. Um, Con O'Callaghan and Paul Mannion. Yeah, yeah like it's, can't argue with that. It's either. tough. Yeah, it's tough company. And McShane had a had a had a brilliant year, obviously. Like and those other two were, were like played great stuff. Yeah, Mannion himself would be a toss up. You know what? And I suppose there's a twenty year old, and it'll be important to him. You know, all stars and all that, but. Um, I don't. I'm not sure that the guy is is uh, is so consumed with that side of things. Like, and and you obviously know him better than me, uh, Eamon, But like, like those Kerry boys are are going to be desperate, like desperate to 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 validate how good everybody else is saying they are by going and 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 beating Dublin and winning in All Ireland. That's and that's the big big challenge for those guys. And All Stars are great big time, but, big time. I think what for some of them the challenge is going to be. David is that. The flip side, then you have Shawnee Shea, who who played a seriously... Shawnee Shea was 21 in July, a seriously high level throughout the season, oh, yeah. going back to the Sigerson, mm. and going back to the first league game when he kicked the sideline ball over the bar right, right at the end of Ty- Tyrone. A significant score at the time. He's been playing up there through the whole season long. Now, the end of last season worked out for him well. He had a good break at the end of the calendar year, we'll say, coming into January. But for the last nine months, he's been fairly pedal to the metal at the top of his thing. And he puts up big mileage as well. So I think he's a fella that will have to be managed in terms of that we want to see him at his best again next summer and he's still in UCC so he'll be having Sigerson you know he'll have county championship he'll have other things going on so he's a fella that'll have to be managed but that hunger that you're talking about uh, that's going to become obsessive for those lads mm. and the older lads as well it's you know that sure that's what it's all about and they're playing Strand Road can Mara. Yeah, he should take a break next week. Yeah. <laughs> Start his rest and recovery period yes. next week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are we good? So, yeah. lads, look, uh, yeah, thanks a million for listening again. And as always, you can listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and irishexaminer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And before we go, <laughs> no, 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 no. See, I'm going to, I'm going to, no, no, I'm going to surprise you again. I just wanted to thank, um, the three lads for making the effort because genuinely on an Ireland on an All Ireland weekend, Mike was in Dublin and he had to go down and take a training session in Tralee. I know Fitzy, you were off basically writing your stuff for tomorrow and you had to come back up to Cork and this fella is after coming down from Cross McGlynn. So in fairness, it's a massive effort and we're hugely grateful to you for doing it and it's the reason that this podcast has been as popular as it has been this summer has been the remarkable, genuinely insightful quality of all the guests. So 
thanks to you as well. With Renault, passion for what drives you. Official car partner of the GAA. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 